a bit of a change in the scripture lesson for this morning because we will get to Matthew in the sermon. The scripture instead is from the 30th chapter of Deuteronomy, verses 15 through 20. Listen for the word of God. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways and observing his commandments, decrees and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall, not, you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and the length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A few things have brought me to what I will do for you, with you today. One is the, uh, the practice of the network of biblical storytellers each year when we gather is to tell a, an epic telling is what we call it. Usually we take one to two to three books from the Bible, more if we're doing epistles, and we tell them by heart using about 40 different tellers. And it's usually um, riveting and moving, an incredible experience, and flies by. But two years ago, we decided to do the entirety of the Gospel of Matthew, which took two nights and almost five hours, and was hard. <laughs> I realized in that moment that I have, I have ten, even though Matthew has great stories in it for storytelling, uh, and just great stories in general, uh, I have gravitated toward the philosophical bent of John, or the justice bent of Luke, or the immediacy, the urgency of the storytelling in Mark. But, but hearing the Gospel of Matthew all at once made me uncomfortable. I've sat with that for a while, and when this lectionary cycle came up, knowing that this was the year of Matthew, and this was the first time we've done the year of Matthew after having spent those two nights just taking in the Gospel of Matthew, I have had mixed feelings about it. So I sat down to look at the lectionary text for this week, it was just a chunk of the Sermon of the Mount, and I started thinking about my sermon from a couple of weeks ago. 
where I ended with a call, a challenge for us to re-engage with Scripture such that we might see the tension in Scripture that is inherently in it and then re-engage with the tension that might be between us and Scripture and then think more broadly about what tension that brings up for us between Scripture and ourselves and the whole of the world. So I have these two things in my head and then... I read an article about someone whom I respect having just preached Jesus' Sermon on the Mount for her sermon and hearing afterwards that people did not like her message. And I thought, I know that feeling. (laughs) (laughs) There's value to hearing scripture in large pieces that that our time in Presbyterian worship services does not generally afford us because we are committed both to hearing Scripture and to the exposition of Scripture, to the preaching of Scripture, and we are also committed to an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. (laughs) But in just a moment, I will preach Jesus' Sermon on the Mount using a translation based in the Common English Bible translation with a smattering of other translations uh, that I decided upon as I was working with this text, including my own return to the Greek to help us in our hearing, since what you will get will just be the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5 through 7. This sermon was Jesus' inaugural event in Matthew, And Jesus, lest we listen and just uh, engage in confirmation bias about what we already thought the scripture was about, Jesus generally reversed the general value system. Jesus preached this sermon and wanted those gathered around him, the disciples, to know that he was not there to replace or usurp the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them, and that the summation of the law and the prophets was all about how we are liable to God and to each other. We are responsible to each other and to God. This was the Jesus who preached not only radical agape love, the radical agape love of God, but especially in Matthew's telling of Jesus' sermon, the necessity of both inward and outward righteousness, of intent and practice. So let us orient ourselves to the words of Jesus Christ in the Gospel of Matthew. Let us pray. Holy God, be with us today as we seek to hear your words, as we seek to be open to them, to let go of our assumptions and to be present, to notice what we notice about the words that you gave to your disciples and now are given to all of us about who we might be in following you and who we might be with and for each other. We thank you for the the tension that you stir up in us. Let us be directed toward your will in our hearing. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen.
I invite you, this is a lengthy sermon, I invite you to engage in this way. The, the Sermon on the Mount is basically broken into about five sections. And so I have broken them up into five sections. And at the end of each section, I will say, this is what Jesus said, and you will say, Amen. Let's practice. This is what Jesus said. Amen. Let anyone with ears listen. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to speak and taught them. Blessed. Happy. Privileged when it comes to divine favor. Favored by God are the poor in spirit, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, because they will be made glad. Blessed are people who are humble, because they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they will be fed until they are full. Blessed are people who show mercy, because they will receive mercy. Blessed are people who have pure hearts, because they will see God. Blessed are people who make peace, because they will be called God's children. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are you when people insult you, revile you, harass and persecute you, and speak all kinds of bad and false things about you, all because... Of me. Be full of joy and be glad because you have a great reward in heaven. In the same way, people harassed and reviled the prophets who came before you. This is what Jesus said. Amen. You are the salt. Of the earth, but if salt, if salt loses its saltiness, how will it become salty again? It's good for nothing except for being thrown away and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on top of a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people take a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they, they put it on top of a lampstand and it, it shines on, on all who are in the house. In that same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see the good things that you do and praise your Father who is in heaven. This is what Jesus said. Don't even 
begin to think that I have come to do away with the law and the prophets. I have not come to do away with them, but to fulfill them. Seriously, as long as heaven and earth exist, neither the smallest letter nor even the the smallest stroke of a pen will be erased from the law until everything has become a reality. And so whoever ignores the, the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called the lowest in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps these commandments and teaches people to keep them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I'm telling you, unless your righteousness is greater than the righteousness of of the legal experts and the Pharisees, then you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard it was said to those who lived long ago, do not commit murder. And all who commit murder will be in danger of judgment. They will be liable. But but I say to you, everyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be in danger of judgment. If they say to their brother or sister, Raka, you idiot, they will be liable to the governing council. And if they say, you fool, they will be in the Gehenna of the fire. So if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother or your sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go. First, make things right. Be reconciled with your brother or your sister, and then come back and give your gift. Offer your gift to God. Be sure to make friends quickly with your opponents while you are with them on the way to court. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and then you will be thrown in prison, and seriously, you will not get out of there until every last penny has been paid by you. You have heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you, every man who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. And if your right eye causes you to fall into sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better to lose a part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into the hell, into Gehenna. And if your right hand causes you to fall into sin, chop it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose a part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into the hell, into Gehenna. It was said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a divorce certificate. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife except for sexual unfaithfulness forces her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard it said that to those who lived long ago, don't make a false, solemn pledge. Don't swear. You should follow through on what you have pledged to the Lord. But I say to you, you must not pledge. You must not swear at all. 
You must not pledge by heaven because it is God's throne. You must not pledge by earth because it is God's footstool. You must not pledge by Jerusalem because it is the city of the great king. And you must not pledge by your head because you do not have the power to turn a hair on your head, white or black. Let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you that you must not oppose those who want to hurt you. Don't set yourself against them, resist them, withstand them, stand your ground. If people slap you on the right cheek, you must turn your left cheek to them as well. When they wish to haul you to court and take your shirt, give them your coat too. When they force you to go one mile, go with them too. Give to those who ask and don't refuse those who wish to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you must love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who harass you, who persecute you, so that you will be acting as children of the Father who is in heaven. He makes the sun rise on both the evil and the good, sends rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. Because if you only love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? And so just as your heavenly Father is, is complete in showing to love to every one, so also you must be complete. This is what Jesus said. Amen. Be careful you don't practice your piety in front of other people to draw their attention. If you do, you will have no reward from the Father who is in heaven. And when you give to the poor, don't blow your trumpet, don't toot your own horn as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may get praise from the people. I assure you, that is the only reward they will get. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that you may give to the poor in secret. Your father sees what you do in secret and will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners so that people will see them. I assure you that's the only reward they will get. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is present in that secret place. Your Father, who sees what you do in secret, will reward you. 
when you pray. Don't pour out a flood of empty words as the Gentiles do. They think that saying by, by saying a lot of words, they'll be heard. Don't be like them. Because your father knows what you need before you ask. Pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us for the ways that we have wronged you just as we forgive those who have wronged us. You don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't put on a sad face like the hypocrites. They distort their faces so that people will know they are fasting. I assure you that they already have their reward. When you fast, Brush your hair and wash your face. Then you won't look like you are fasting to people, but only to your Father who is present in that secret place. Your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth where moth and rust eat them and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't eat them and thieves do not break in and steal them because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. Therefore, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad... Your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is, is darkness, how terrible that will be, that darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth. And so I'm telling you, don't worry about your life, about what you'll eat or you'll drink or about your body or what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or gather crops into barns, yet your fa heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't, aren't you worth more than them? Who among you can, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life. And why do you worry about clothes? Notice how the lilies grow in the field. They don't wear themselves out by work and they don't spin cloth. But I say to you that even Solomon in all of his splendor was never dressed like one of these. If God dresses the grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow it's thrown into the furnace, won't God do that much more for you, you people of weak faith? So don't worry 
and say, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Gentiles long for all these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need them. Instead, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So stop worrying about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That is what Jesus said. Don't judge so that you won't be judged. You'll receive the same judgment you give. Whatever you deal out will be dealt out back to you. Why do you see the splinter that is in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log that's in your own eye? How can you say to your sister, let me get that splinter out of your eye, when there is a log in your eye, you deceive yourselves? First, take the log out of your eye. Then you'll see clearly so that you can take the splinter out of your brother or sister's eye. Don't give holy things to dogs and don't throw your pearls in front of pigs. They will stomp on pearls, on the pearls, and then turn around and attack you. This is what Jesus said. Ask, and you will receive. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. Because everyone who asks receives, and whoever seeks finds, and everyone who knocks at that door For them, the door will be opened. Who among you, if your children asks for bread, gives them a stone? Or if they ask for a fish, will give them a snake? If you who are evil give such good things to your children, will not your Father in heaven give that much more to you, to those who ask him? Therefore, you should treat people in the same way that you want people to treat you. This is the law and the prophets. Go through the narrow gate. The gate that leads to destruction is broad and wide, and so many people enter through it, but the gate that leads to life is narrow. And the road is difficult. So few people enter it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you dressed like sheep, but inside they are vicious like wolves. You will know them by their fruit. Do people get bunches of grapes from thorny weeds? Do they get figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, and every rotten tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, you will know them by their fruit. Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will get into the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. 
on the day of judgment when people will say to me, Lord, Lord, did not we prophesy in your name and expel demons in your name and do miracles in your name, then I'll tell them, I've never known you. Get away from me, you people who do wrong. Everybody who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like, it's like a wise builder who built a house on bedrock and the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat against the house and it didn't fall because it was firmly set on bedrock. But everybody who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice will be like a fool who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the wind blew and beat against that house. It fell and was completely destroyed. And this is what Jesus said. When Jesus finished these words, the crowds were amazed, overwhelmed at his teaching, because he was teaching them as someone with authority. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.